This episode of Nothing Off Limits is brought to you by BarkBox. So excited about this partnership. Get one free extra month of BarkBox for your animal companion by going to getbarkbox.com slash NOL. I'll be sure to share more benefits about this awesome service with you about halfway through this episode. So with no further ado, David Edelstein of Team Pitiful, enjoy the show. Do you like to learn about random wild stuff? You know, the things you didn't think you needed to know about, then realize you should. Then welcome to Nothing Off Limits, the podcast that gives you one place to go for something different. Impress your next party guest with your unusual body of knowledge. And if you dig the show, get more information at ladyfoxentertainment.com and subscribe, rate, or review. Thanks. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Nothing Off Limits. Today, we're going to be talking with David Edelstein. David's a dog trainer and an advocate with TeamPitiful.org, a nonprofit organization focused on dog training and rehabilitation based in Denver. David has an internet radio show on Spreaker under Team Pitiful. Live, and his show is exclusive to the discussion of dogs, both training and rehab, responsible versus irresponsible dog ownership, and dog behavior and temperament with guests who are experiencing issues with dogs, and of course, an emphasis on pit bulls, which is the reason why I reached out to David to be on Nothing Off Limits so we can debunk the myths about this awesome, beautiful breed. Please go to teampitiful.org. That's full F U L L. Welcome, David. Hey, Michelle, thanks for having me on today. I'm excited about this episode. I want to know, before we start diving into pit bulls, I want to know about your journey. How did you become a dog trainer? Um, <laughs> well, we got to go all the way back to my, you know, my first breath of that I took uh, 48 years ago, and there was just a natural gravitation towards animals versus people. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how it started. Uh, you I know, understand that. <laughs> when I was when I was like a three year old, uh, my my dad and my my older brothers uh, took horseback riding lessons there in Orange County, mm-hmm. and uh, you know uh, my dad was uh, riding probably a thirteen fourteen hundred pound Morgan. What is and that? I, a Morgan is like say like like a draft horse, like a, like one of the Budweiser horses. Oh wow! Okay. Okay, just a big, big mm-hmm, animal, mm-hmm. and I, I thought nothing of going up and hugging that leg. Aww. That that animal is going to stampede that kid. The the horse couldn't have been gentler. And whether he thought I was retarded or something, there was just a, there was a natural connection there, and it kind of gravitated uh, in that direction for the rest of my life until um, about 1988, 89. I got out of the military and uh, was living in a roommate situation. Went back to school, and uh, my roommate really he didn't abuse his dogs, but he didn't really pay any attention to them. I kind of adopted them. Mm-hmm. And I just I need to know more about this. Yeah, I I know that feeling of just that connection with animals. It it just grew. Yeah, and and you know volunteering with um with uh, Orange County uh, Animal Shelter, several different vets, several different trainers, and uh, and then just kind of went out on my own. And, uh, you know, never really got into the whole sit, stay, roll over type stuff. It was always towards uh, the troubled ones, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the ones that, rehabbing. you know, rehabbing, the ones that were sitting on adoption row or never would make it to adoption row in any shelter uh, here in America uh, that, that are going to get passed over because 
they have attitude problems. They have fear of humans. Uh, they were involved in dog fighting. They were a bait dog in dog fighting. Uh, overbred females that have turned vicious. The ones that are never going to get considered to, to go home with someone. I want to turn that around. I love that. That is such a great profession to have. Is that how you ended up at Teen Pitiful? Uh, about 2005, 2006, I was kind of in an email loop with a bunch of people talking about this stray pit bull mix up one of the canyons in, in Orange County. This and, is Orange uh, County, California. C- correct. Yeah. Actually, it was uh, Tribuco Canyon, if you know the area. Mm-hmm. And... Um, <clears throat> they were talking about uh, this This dog was kind of a stray, but it kind of belonged to some homeless people who would tie her up to a tree and, and never feed her and never give her water. And this went back and forth amongst all these people in an email thread for several months. And I finally got my car, went out there and stole the dog from the homeless people. Uh, my intention was to take her to a rescue. We never made it that far. She ended up in my bed and uh, eating my food, and she's still with me to this day. <laughs> oh, what's when her name? Her name is Days, as in like days in the week, but spelled different. It's D-A-Z-E. Aww. And, uh, you know, I was a little not afraid of Pitbull, but I wanted to know more. And so I, you know, brought up my, my internet and, and plugged in Google and said, breed-specific training, breed-specific ailments, breed-specific diet. And I found breed-specific legislation. And I started started reading in 2006. I haven't stopped reading to this day 10 years later. And uh, it led me to two dogs that were sitting on pit bull death row in Denver, Colorado in 2008 simply because they were pit bulls not because they had harmed anyone. Uh, One of them had wandered from a nearby county into the city and county of Denver. Uh, The other one, it was a a, a politic going on between neighbors, and they had reported, uh, you know, one neighbor reported another uh, that they have a pit bull in the city of Denver where they they have a ban. It's absolute. They don't they don't allow pit bulls in the city of in county of Denver. I didn't know that. And that makes me extremely angry. Well, we that could be a whole other a whole other yeah. episode. But yeah. uh, like what? Uh, I was working with a vet in in Brea, you know, in Orange County uh, yeah. back then. Uh, we basically committed ourselves to starting a war with the city of Denver. <laughs> wow! So you ended up moving all the way to Denver to go against this legislation. 2010. Well, back up a little bit. The two boys that were on death row, I adopted them, brought them back to Southern California with me. And uh, if anybody has ever driven from Denver to Southern California uh, on on uh, I-15 in, in Utah in the middle of the night, you get to thinking. And I looked in my rearview mirror and here's this little dog that I stole from the homeless people and these two pit bulls from death row in Denver, Colorado, and the four of us are on our way back to to Southern California, and it team pitiful. Wow. That's them. And we we built our website. 
We have not changed our ethic or, or, or our morals or our values since our inception back in 2008. Uh, we have lost both the two boys to cancer in the past two years, but our organization, what we stand for, what we do, and what we're not willing to compromise on uh, has not changed at all in, since 2008. Have you been able to make any progress with the city of Denver? Up until recently, no. As of recently, um, a dialogue has begun very, very quietly behind the scenes uh, with uh, one of the Denver City Councilmen. And, uh, and if you know anything about working with politicians, don't plan on anything done quickly. Oh, yeah. Anything with government is going to take years. It's a very years. slow process. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, one, of the, one of the cornerstones in that conversation was I actually um, requested uh, an entire document from uh, the city of Denver uh, animal control. And I said, 15 year period, and I want this all nice and lined up in columns. Uh, I want the breed of dog, the date of an incident, what the incident was, and the severity of the incident. So we've got breed, date, Incident and severity of incident. You're gathering data. A lot of data. I love that. Okay. And what we found was for as as hard set as the city of Denver is to not let go of this 27-year-old pit bull ban, they don't have factual information to back it up. So you're gathering data from prior to the ban, no, if- uh, the, the ban actually started in 1989. I only went back 15 years. Okay. And okay. so you're looking at the what breeds are actually causing most of the incidents. And maybe you can convince them that, hey, you're allowing this dog. You want to ban pit bulls. Then why don't you ban this dog breed while you're at well, it? Well, that's, that's exactly what my intentions were. And there, we know that the city of Denver or the city of New York or the city of Los Angeles, they're not going to ban dog ownership. Heck no. Good luck. Yeah, right. Okay, and they're not going to start adding breeds to the dog because then it kind of breaks down their own integrity and, and the integrity of the band. Now it's now it's becoming semantics. Mm-hmm. Okay, what we wanted to demonstrate is this is not a pit bull problem. This is an irresponsible dog ownership problem. Absolutely. And we've got we've got breed uh, dogs of all different breeds. Biting people, running at large, attacking other dogs, all the different problems that we run into with dog ownership, or I should say irresponsible dog ownership, this is not specific to one breed of dog. I agree wholly. There's German Shepherds on there. There's Golden Retrievers. There's Labs. There's Chihuahuas. Chihuahuas. There's Spaniels. There's St. Bernards. Every breed under the rainbow, they're all on there, and, and some are in numbers measurably greater than the pit bull breeds. Mm-hmm. I believe it. Now, so I want to dive in specifically to the pit bull breed. Okay. And I want people out there listening to understand the history of the breed. So will you walk us through how they were bred, what they were originally intended for, and all of that? Record keeping wasn't all that great back in the mid-1500s. So we don't have an absolute recorded history of, of how the pit bull breed came to be. Mm-hmm. But as a general sense, uh, the way the song goes is in the mid-1500s uh, in the British Isle, 
somewhere in Britain. Uh, we took our old English bulldog and mixed it with a terrier. Mm-hmm. And why did we do that? We were looking for, and this is contrary to you know the, the the pit bull haters' beliefs. We were actually not looking for a fighting dog. We were looking for a general purpose breed. So companionship, companionship, protection. Their number one job was vermin abatement. Keep the rats and the mice out of our house. <laughs> and that is that is anybody who knows the terrier breeds knows that is very, very specific to terriers. They have very, very little tolerance and they are very, very tightly wound. And so when they see something small, furry and it's moving, they're going to go control it. Yeah. And that even goes for a toy. <laughs> and that goes for toys. You know, we've got four of them here today. And, you know, we do not have a squirrel problem in our backyard. <laughs> it's just taken care of. So their natural temperament is not aggression. It is just that they have lots of energy, it sounds like. A lot of energy. Uh, we as humans have selectively bred them for about 5,000 years now uh, to be extre- extremely tightly wound. They are not a breed for everyone. They, they require, they need their humans. Uh, they're not like a greyhound or, or one of the other breeds that's a little bit more introverted and they like to spend a lot of time on their own. Pit bulls, if they could be attached to their human's ankle 24 hours a day, they couldn't be happier. <laughs> My dog was funny because he was um, a red-nosed pit mastiff mix. Um, so he was a little different. I think the mastiff kind of overshadowed his pit side a little bit sometimes because if I was getting on his nerves he would literally go and then walk away <laughs> i was gonna say yeah I, you know what I, i'm not gonna get into confrontation with you i yeah. don't want to exert that kind of energy totally i'm just gonna go in the other room exactly I and know. i would be like come here i need you right now and he would just give me a look and then walk away <laughs> yeah okay he mom. was hilarious yeah he was like whatever lady so so uh going back to the history of this breed we have this this breed of dog that uh, basically serves many, many purposes on these remote farms and ranches in in Britain back in the mid-1500s. And the old expression, idle hands are the work of the devil. Mm -hmm. When you have humans sitting around uh, with not a lot to do, or you have humans fall on hard time and we got to make money somehow, what do we do? We get into trouble. Right. And how the pit bull breed got into trouble at the hands of humans, of course, was, wait a second, we're going to dig a hole, we're going to throw a rat down there, and we're going to bet on whose dog can kill the rat fastest. (sighs) And that evolved into throwing two of them into the hole and who could kill the other dog the fastest. And this was just because of that propensity for being tightly wound, for chasing Very after. tightly wound mm-hmm. and that tenacity and that never given kind of attitude, which is great. That's a, Those are great attributes to have in a breed if they're channeled into something productive. Let's dive into the myths because this is where I can already hear it in my mind now of people listening to this and they're like, oh yeah, it's that tightly wound. And that's why they, they're going to attack and their, their jaw is going to lock and they're never going to let go because David just said, he just confirmed my belief that, you know, these dogs have a determination and they're going to they're gonna kill. I want to dispel these myths. Can you help us? Well, um, this, this energy, 
you know, this this ball of energy we got, this resource we got sitting in front of us. It's kind of like a hunk of clay. And the and the dog owner is the artist. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do with that hunk of clay? What are you going to do with that dog? Now, in my house, my dogs, they like we discussed the other day, uh, they all come from very horrific backgrounds. They all come from dog fighting, bait dog, long-term tethered. Our newest, Roger's only been with us for about three days now. He actually had a coffee can full of acid thrown on his back oh, to make him mean for dog fighting. Okay, and he's going to be in rehab with us for some time. Eventually, just like all the rest of them, he will be groomed to help me train other dogs. That is what I want to do with my hunk of clay. Now, in the irresponsible home, sometimes it might not be abuse. It could be neglect. Right. And and an owner neglected to train their dog. Their owner neglected to socialize or start socializing at a very young age. And this is not specific to pit bulls. This is all breeds of dogs. We want structure. We want, you know, even basic obedience training. We want the socialization with with new people and new dogs on a regular basis. We want this dog to be very, very loose and light on his feet. So no matter what we throw at him, He's going to take it in stride and he's going to look at his owner and go, what should I be doing? Nothing. So so this is a perfect opportunity for you to dispel the myth that all pit bulls just automatically have this like locking jaw thing that they do. The the locking jaw thing. um, We all have uh, cable TV. We've all we've all seen Discovery Channel. Um, You know, there was uh, Dr. Brady Barr. I think this was in 2009. Uh, They actually did a whole documentary about that myth. And it is a myth that a pit bull's jaw mechanism is no different than any other breed. What is different about the pit bull is the brain, the tenacity. Okay. They do not give up. But and I want to turn around again, the perception it, it, of not giving up as being a negative thing into a positive one. It, that's exactly my point, is that what are you going to do as the dog owner with that tenacity? Are you going to build the world's greatest Frisbee dog? That they do not give up. They will always chase that Frisbee. Are we going to have a really mellow and tolerant and confident therapy dog? That's what I want to do with my pit bull. My guys, like I said, they're all training dogs. They learn to train other dogs, which requires the ultimate intolerance levels. Mm -hmm. The other dog wants to kill you, and I'm telling you to sit there and not respond. That takes a lot of tolerance. That's what I'm calling on their tenacity for is to exercise every fiber of your being and remain tolerant. I will not let this other dog make contact with you. You can't respond. And they're very, very good at their job. Hey everybody, I wanna take a quick break to tell you more about BarkBox. We were just talking about dogs that have that tenacity, that heavy chewing need, right? I definitely, I had a red-nosed Mastiff mix, and boy, did he go through his toys in seconds. So um, if you know what I'm talking about, then you should check out BarkBox. What an awesome company. They are committed 
to making you and your dog happy. Trust me, every month, it's so cute. They say that they paw pick the best all-natural treats. So, you know, don't get worried that it's not a good treat. It's all natural. And they pick really cool toys that are made in the USA or Canada. And a lot of times made by smaller companies that you can't you can't get this stuff at one of the big retailers. Um, and they also match the toys uh, to your dog's unique needs. So if your dog has allergies or, like I said, the heavy chewer preferences, they can send you a unique box just for them. And what's really cool about them, too, is that each box is themed. So you'll get, like, the Brooklyn Hipster box, or you'll get the Poo York City, <laughs> which I love, uh, Bark Ball box. Um, so it's really fun for, obviously, the people. <laughs> so we can have our own joy when we unbox this thing with our dog. It's also really cool because if your dog doesn't seem to take to one of the toys or one of the treats in the box, they just kind of are like, mm, no, Mom, I don't want that or no dad I ain't having that one that's okay because they will replace it they'll send you something that the dog actually does like for free because they're all about dog happiness they say and I love their service so NOL listeners get a special deal aren't you excited I am obviously go to getbarkbox.com slash NOL and BarkBox is giving you the opportunity to get one free extra month when you sign up for a subscription there. Uh, so ch- please check it out. Again, getbarkbox.com slash NOL. You can also get more information on my resources page at ladyfoxentertainment.com. All right, back to the show. Let's learn more about pities. So it sounds to me like all the typical myths about pities that people have, like, oh, they're going to, they all, they only want to fight. They only want to attack. They're going to turn on their owners. They're going to. They're always going to go after the children. Right. And let, why don't we address that right now? Yeah. Pit bulls out of 127 known domestic breeds of dogs in the United States, they're probably in the top three to see a child unattended by a parent and go over and try to protect it. Thank you. And let me give you firsthand experience. I love this. I love this. <clears throat> we were training a, a boxer mix about, oh, about 30 days ago. And little days, my very first was out there doing her thing with me. And we were walking back to the client's home from the local schoolyard. And we were going over a culvert, over a ditch, you know, like a, like a drainage ditch. Okay. And up this drainage ditch, here comes a coyote. At the same time, here comes the five-year-old with the neon pink bicycle helmet with the training wheels, and she's pedaling towards us. <clears throat> her parents are about 15, 20 feet behind her. They can't see the coyote. Day starts going ballistic. I finally clue in of what's going on. I drop the leash. She makes a beeline right in between the coyote and the kid to make sure that coyote does not make contact with that child wow as soon as she as soon as the coyote saw her it turned and ran back and it was going to go down underneath the street through the covert pipe she was going to chase it i called her she stopped on command turned around went back up to the child and was circling the child oh. but she never broke eye contact with the last place she saw the coyote wow if that's not protection i don't know what is and this isn't even, you know, 
a part of your family. This child was not even a part of your family. Nope, just a stranger, and that is a lesser, the child, and that is a predator. That is not going to end well. I'm going to intervene. I love that story. But then there's going to be people out there listening, I'm sure, who are going to be like, yeah, but that dog's trained and he's an experienced dog trainer and, you know, he rehabbed that dog. Like, not any pit bull's going to be like that. It all depends on the owner. Mm-hmm. Even even if, and I tell my, my training clients this, your dog doesn't need to be this good. It's He's only a family dog, but he does need to be up to a certain standard. And that standard, according to our training ethic, is I want you and your dog to be known on your block as the best behaved dog on the block. Mm-hmm. And when you look at other dogs and other dog owners out there, <laughs> that's not very hard to achieve. <laughs> yeah, agreed. I have a number of neighbors now. It drives me nuts. They just let their dogs go flying out the front door. No leash. No, they don't listen to their commands, which their command is usually screaming no, 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 over and, and that, over. And that, and that is not a command at all because dogs do not view stress or tension or whatever coming from their human as genuine leadership. That is just stress and, and, and frantic, and that's not somebody I can count on as a leader. Mm-hmm. That would explain why when I um, had Max, my, my dog as a puppy, he just kind of blew me off whenever I would try to yell at him. <laughs> he wasn't respecting you <laughs> yeah, as a leader. He was like, whatever. But then as we, we grew together, um, I learned the art of being control and calm. Whenever I needed to have him do something, give him a command for anything. Once he got older, I didn't even have to ever, ever raise my voice about anything because he was perfect. Right. But I did spend a lot of time developing that. So let's dive into training. When you have clients come to you, what is the biggest mistake you see people making? Not being a good leader for their dog. And if, if, you know, David, we saw the video of you on the internet. We want that. Well, that is a commitment. And uh, that is what I do for a living. Uh, you are a secretary. You're a banker. You're a doctor. You're a teacher. Uh, you know, you don't have the same kind of time that I have, but we're going to make a junior version of me out of you. And this is what it's going to take. And that is, you know, dogs, they're, they're not a solitary animal. They're not like a bear or mountain lion. They don't live by themselves. They live in packs. They live in communities. Okay, and those packs or communities have leadership. And if if every human on the face of the planet was to disappear tomorrow, there's going to be a dog that is going to ascend to that leadership position. He's the biggest. He's the fastest. He's the smartest. He's the best fighter and the best provider. And he is going to raise up to that leadership position. Well, we're because dogs cannot pay the mortgage or pay their own vet bills or buy their own 40-pound sack of food, they can't be the leader in our homes. That's our job. And so when we have people come to us, and it could be a multitude of different complaints. The dog is is aggressive towards other dogs. Uh, Our dog doesn't listen to me. He doesn't return on command. We got to go back to the very, very root of the issue. What is going on in the relationship between you and your dog? Right. Do we have leadership and subordinate going on? If we don't, we need to establish that. And, and also, that is, what, is, what does leadership look like? Because I think that that's where a lot of people fall short, in, in my opinion, is that they don't understand what true leadership means. They think it is just screaming no at their dog. The three C's. What are they? Confidence, 
competence, compassion. Mm-hmm. You provide you provide that and make your dog see you providing that, they will follow you through the gates of hell. I guarantee it. Any one of those three is lacking. I the dog, you know, I'm 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 speaking for the dog now. I do not see you as a respectable and reliable leader. Let's go through the three C's. So confidence, give us an example. Confidence, you're walking your dog down the street and you're not yelling. You're not getting crazy because, oh my God, here comes another dog and I don't know how my dog's going to react. Everything needs to appear like I meant to do that. Mm -hmm. That's what a dog will respond to as far as confidence is, is concerned. Competence, that's where we come in with our dog training and our rehabilitation. Whether you're going to hire someone like myself, go to a group class, watch a video on YouTube, purchase a book, whatever it is, you get with a program, you stick with that program, you do not compromise on that program. The dog starts to see stability. They start to see constants. They start to see routine. Mm-hmm. Routine is so important. Crucial. Crucial. Because unlike you and me, we book vacations to get away from routine. Dogs do not. They live in it every single day. And, uh, you know, when we, when we have even subtle changes in the home and people are like going, you know, scratching their head, I don't know why my dog has been great for the past five years. And now all of a sudden he's become very, very dog aggressive towards other dogs. When did this start? Two months ago. What happened in your home two months ago? Well, nothing. We got to keep on talking until you start to divulge that information. Oh, well, you know, me and my, uh, me and my, my, uh, I'm now divorced. Me and my husband. Ah. Oh, major shift in the social structure in the home. And now all of a sudden the dog is going, well, the leader, the husband who's no longer there, the leader left. I'm looking at my mom. My mom is certainly not a leader. I need to step up and start being that leader and defending her from other predators. Interesting. I did not ask for that, though. The dog doesn't care. If you're not a confident and competent leader that they can turn around to, you know, and and turn around and look at on a regular basis, any day of the year for 15 years straight, they need to be able to see that pillar in the middle of their existence Mm -hmm. going, nothing has changed. I actually think that should be the third C, commitment. Well, that goes along with the the competence. Competence, yeah. With the competence. You know, we we practice it and uh, and we're committed to it. And what's the third C? Compassion. We, We need to acknowledge that the relationship between man and dog, it's not an absolute perfect science. We've got it down pretty darn good, but there are, you know, until dogs can learn English or we can learn bark and sit down and interview them for eight hours and find out every dynamic about the canine species, we're never going to know absolutely what is going on with them. We can see patterns and we can do, you know, cause and effect. And we can call the animal uh, telepathy expert that I have on my show. <laughs> the telepathy, exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, we can, we can start to see patterns and, and those patterns can be tested and retested. And yeah, that's something we can always rely on with dogs. And so we can, we can, we can call that a staple. But overall, the, the relationship between man and dog, it, it's not an absolute perfect science. And, uh, but you it know, is we, special. 
it's a very special relationship. We had, we had touched on this the other day. You know, 10,000 years ago, the caveman didn't invite a Komodo dragon into his cave. <laughs> he didn't invite a snake or a horse or a shark or a dolphin. He chose this particular animal after what I, I'm assuming he probably observed for a while. <clears throat> he saw the interaction and the social structure going on With the wolves. amongst the wolves. Mm-hmm. He saw how the wolf was raising its young and how it was providing protection and food and, and the milk and everything that the baby needed. And you know what? I want that working for me in my cave with my family. Yeah, so this is a long-standing, I mean, this is a historical relationship. This is very, what they call dog's man's best friend. Very, very old relationship, and there's something going on here that we do not have with any other species of animal. Not even cats. And, and some of us freaks, like me... I don't even have this relationship with other people in the world. And, and, and you know, I have my, my wife, Laura, and I love her, and we live together, and we, we, we have our dogs together, and, and she has her career, and I have my career, and that's our life together. But I do not have the same relationship with her that I have with dogs. Heck no. It's and different. I, I actually understand that wholly. Because and it's not, it's not better, and it's not worse. It's different. It's different. There's an unconditional love that's yes. there that is um you can make so many mistakes as humans we make mistakes all the time and um a dog will always forgive us <laughs> you know it's i think it's harder for humans to find that kind of compassion that and, a dog and, has and on michelle us. michelle you could throw the question on the table is that dog forgiving us because we're the provider of the food water and shelter or is it because we have a relationship with that animal and that animal doesn't know drama and politics and, and uh, conditional oh, yeah. love? We could, we could sit there and debate that question, you know, until St. Swithin's Day. I think it's the latter. I'd like to believe that. I do believe it. Especially when we do a simple test. And that is, Go to your front door, open it, let the dog come to the front door and walk away from the front door and see what the dog does. Does he, <laughs> yes. does he want to leave? <laughs> or does he come back and look at you going, why did you leave the front door open? We never leave the front door open. Mm-hmm. And that's actually an awesome test. Uh, very easy to do. And so my neighbors clearly have no uh, positive relationship with their dogs because the dogs are always flying out the door and not listening to them. My dog used to do what you just said. He'd, he'd go out, but then he would turn around and see, like, what are you doing? I thought you just were basically saying we're going to go outside. <laughs> he'd wait for me. And, and, and so are, we, are we going? Did you forget your car keys? Why, why are we yeah. stopped? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He was awesome. Something else I would like to add, you know, every dog ownership, it's a huge institution in this company. It's made PetSmart and Petco a lot of money. This is, this is a staple in the American landscape. If someone is on the fence about this breed, you know what, we're going to go down to the pound and, and we're going to, uh, we're going to uh, adopt a dog. And, and by chance, the kids happen to gravitate towards the one pit bull that looks like Petey from The Little Rascals. <laughs> oh, dad, we got to get him. He's so cute. And the dad's standing in the background going, that's a pit bull. I'm not bringing it into my home. 
the best thing you can do for that dog and the best thing you can do for that breed and the best thing you can do for yourself is to turn around, leave without a dog that day, call a local pit bull rescue and go spend some very controlled time with these with these dogs. I find them to be an amazing, amazing breed. I have no, I've had nothing but good experiences. There's a lot of energy there. They do require a, an absolute commitment from their human, and they're yep. they're more than willing to return that commitment. Trust me. Yes. Uh, but uh, you know, get to know this breed. And some people might go, you know what? It is, it's too much energy for us. It's a great dog, but it's a little bit too yeah. much energy. Go get a great Too thing. much of a commitment. Go get, we've got one of those here in the house too. Mm-hmm. And we can get, that's a whole, whole, another whole other episode. Another, I probably Danes. will have you back to talk about some other breeds, but yeah. Unfortunately, our Great Dane was trained and rehabilitated by pit bulls. Oh, so, so we, we, we've got a, a pit bull uh, weighing it at about 172 pounds. She's a Harlequin. Oh, and uh, because she had nothing in her life prior to coming to us, 172. She's a big girl. My goodness. She's a big girl. How many cups of food a day? <laughs> uh, she takes down about, let's see, about probably six, eight. Oh, OK. Yeah. Six to seven cups twice a day. <laughs> And that's and that's not even considering all the food that she consumes in our treat training. Oh God! Which is probably another ten to fifteen times per day. I want to talk about um, before you go. I want to talk about the importance of family. You mentioned that dogs like to be in a pack, and you have your family in your house now. Your dogs do not stay outside in the yard overnight, correct? Our dogs not only don't stay out side overnight they all have beds indoors up off the floor mm-hmm. nice our dogs you, you got to remember this is a little bit of a different situation these are not only our family dogs they're also my business partners oh <laughs> because they help you rehab all the other dogs they, they help me train and rehab you know they're my exercise partners we just got back from from doing a, about a three mile hike uh, minus Roger, because Roger's still in quarantine with us. But the other dogs, we go out and do our exercise, and we go out and you know, part of that 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 hike is training. But I want to talk about the people out there who may think, "Oh, it's just a dog. Why are you, you know, thinking that this is family or your business partner? They're just a dog." I want to make sure that the people who think that way have their heads twisted. That I love that expression, just a dog, and that is someone who has never truly known a dog before and really made that contact and that commitment and, and had that relationship with, with, with a dog before of any breed and any age, any sex, mm-hmm. doesn't matter. Whatever you choose to bring home, you make that commitment. That or dog it could sees be- you making that commitment. And you, you start to, I like to say, the dog's going to show you a whole other gear. Well, if you have the open mind to it, because I have met people who have had dogs and, you know, they do the basic care, but they don't make that emotional connection. I think it has something to do with also um, your exposure to animals, what kind of relationship you had with the family dog when you were growing up. How did your, your parents and your grandparents treat animals? I think that that has a lot to do with it, too. I agree. I agree. You know, we, we can compare that to something like racism. Oh, if totally. You're, if, if you were raised in a home where racism was very blatant and prevalent, you're probably going to turn out to be a racist. Yep. You know, if you're, if you're raised level. 
if you're raised in a home where there was always some sort of animal and everyone, you know, it, it was made their responsibility to help feed the animal and care for the animal and, and spend time with it and everything, <clears throat> that's going to be someone who's going to, you know, develop into an adult mm-hmm. that you're going to be the first one down at the shelter, you know, uh, before they open in the morning yeah. waiting to adopt. Yeah. And and just to, as a final underscoring of like, who is the best type of dog owner? It's that, it's that those three C's, that, that commitment too, as well. You got to be committed. Um, this is something you got to consider long before you ever go down to the shelter or to a local rescue uh, to adopt. You know, do you have the time? Are you Do ready you, for a family member is how I see ready? it. Because this is a 15-year commitment and they're going to get sick and you got to go to the vet. This is not something you're, oh, you know what? The, the kids got older and, and they don't really spend time with the dog. They're off with their friends now. We're just going to rehome the dog. The dog doesn't deserve that after giving you know the first five years of its life to you. They deserve better from us. Absolutely. This is part of the family. This becomes part of the family. This is not just a dog. This is not uh, an animal to just for protection. Or There's not one reason except to have a new family member, a new companion. They are true companions. The really great thing is, is after we have that commitment, the dog knows that you're committed. <clears throat> We've got a, a routine established every single day. The dog becomes flexible. And uh, let me give you a quick little example <clears throat> in our home, 12.30 and 8.30 p.m. every day, 365 days a year is, is when we feed. Now, okay. if I'm out training and I'm not getting home till 4 o'clock, they're going to roll with the punch. Mm-hmm. I came back. Oh, my God, guys, I'm sorry. I'm running late. I was in traffic, whatever. And, and let's get that food on the floor as soon as possible. And we're right back to normal again. They are flexible, but we do have that, have that that base commitment, that base routine going on every day. We've got structure. And we also, don't they, got, they come to trust you. So if you are trust. a little late, then they know you're still going to feed them. It's going to happen. Yeah. And, and, you know, someone strange coming into the house for the first time. It could be any, any number of different dynamics that is out of the ordinary for the dog, out of the ordinary for the household. And the dog, instead of becoming aggressive and attacking someone or attacking, uh, you know, you had your friend come over with her dog, they're going to turn around and look at you as the leader and go, are we cool with this? Mm-hmm. Look at me. Look at my energy. Do I seem upset about the, the other dog coming into the home? If I'm not upset, you're not upset. Yep. And, and now the dog can relax and do what dogs yep. do best. And that is, hey, let me show you my backyard and let's wrestle. This explains why um, there were very few people that my dog didn't like. And very few. He loved people. But that's probably because most of the people that I was bringing him around were people I liked. And there was only one or two times when I had someone that I did not have a, a solid relationship with. One of them used to be an old uh, business colleague of mine, and he did not like that person. <laughs> he, Dogs, didn't, he didn't do anything, but he wonderful. just stood by me and was like very softly growling. Dogs are a very wonderful judge of character. Yep. And I rely on my guys all the time going, something's a little bit of myth. And I look down at them and they are all, you know, they're lower. The head is lower. Mm-hmm. Maybe the hackles are up. The tails are tucked. Hey, you know what? <laughs> 
if my guys aren't digging on you, please don't approach us. Yep. Because yep. they're very good judges of character. And if they're telling me that you're a no-go, please don't approach us. Yep. Yep. Ah, I love animal. I love dogs. And I love, 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 love pitties. And I, I'm looking to adopt a new baby, a new animal companion soon. So, David, it's been such a pleasure to have you on here. I definitely want to have you back so we could talk about some other breeds, too, and learn more about training. Um, everybody out there listening, go to teampitiful.org for more info, to reach out to David. You want some training. Uh, do you train online as well, or does it have to be in person? Um, that's a good question. Uh, it's mostly here in the greater Denver metro area, mm -hmm. but I've got clients that I have done remote training with that's via Skype, uh, demo videos, uh, a lot of phone calls, text messaging, uh, where we have got someone to get their own dog under control and I've never even met them before. That's awesome. So that, that opportunity is out there. Um, mostly though, we, we, like I said, we cover the Denver metro area. Okay, perfect. David, thank you so much for coming on Nothing Off Limits. It's been awesome. Thanks, Michelle. We hope to hear from you again. Coming up next week on Nothing Off Limits, I'm going to be dropping two business episodes to y'all. One is going to be from the author of The Success Playbook, who talks about how to expedite your path to success using your genius zone. And the other guy is going to come on to explain a very simple concept, yet a very powerful one, how to ask more to get more. He's also going to talk about his new upcoming book, 5% More. Great stuff for you guys on Nothing Off Limits. Stay tuned. Have a great week. Have a great topic you'd like to hear discussed on an upcoming episode of Nothing Off Limits? Email us at ideas at ladyfoxentertainment.com. In the meantime, please subscribe, rate the show, and go to ladyfoxentertainment.com to sign up for our email list and to check out our resources page. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you next time.